you would go ahead and be seated. And while you're being seated, uh, if you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, uh, go on and turn to the book of Ruth. We're, we're seeking to understand reality. It's, it's this wonderful way of life in the kingdom of God. When Jesus showed up, he announced that the kingdom had come with him. In Mark chapter 1, verse 15, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. And the kingdom of God has now come to all of us who believe. The kingdom of God is growing in us and through us. And we know there are three kingdoms at work in this world. There's the kingdom of God, which is under Jesus. There's the kingdom of humanity, which is under us, his image bearers. And there is the kingdom of darkness. And, and we each have to make a choice. So here we are in this world where there are nations at war, where we are living at one of the most prosperous times in, in history, in a nation that, that is one of the most prosperous nations of all time. And it would be very easy for us to get distracted. To, to, to get a little numb to all that's going on and, and not be watchful and not be engaged in the work of Christ in the kingdom of God. It, would, it might be easy for us, and that's a dangerous thing, to, to turn our backs on Jesus, to disregard Jesus, to, to get caught up in the things of this world. We, we would do well to hear this warning and this plea in, in Psalm 2. Psalm 2 says, why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves up and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heaven laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Here's the plea. Kiss the Lord. Kiss the Lord lest he be angry and you perish in the way for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. As God's people, we are all a part of one nation or another. But what defines us is not our nationality or country of origin, but the kingdom of God. In the end, it will be discovered and it will be proclaimed and it will be made clear for all of eternity, the kingdom of which we belong. Again, you today, you reside as a citizen either of the kingdom of God or of the kingdom of darkness. We all choose which kingdom we serve. Those who repent and believe the gospel, we become citizens of the kingdom of God. We are saved, it says in Romans 10, 9, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the, the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Our salvation transcends color of skin, nation of origin, and, and all other earthly connections. When we repent and believe the gospel, we look at those three circles. When we repent and believe the gospel, we gain a new life that allows us to pursue and recover God's design. God's design is, is his love. And for those of us who believe, we, becomes, we become heirs of the promise given to Abram. It says in Galatians 3.29, and if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Our focus from now until Easter is to understand what does it mean to be the heirs of Abraham, of the, of, of the promise of the kingdom of God. 
I appreciate B.B. Warfield who tells us the Old Testament is like a well-furnished room that can only be seen and appreciated in the light of Jesus Christ and his gospel. Today we are in the book of Ruth and we are in a well-furnished room. But the only way we can see the furnishings right is to see it in light of Jesus Christ. This, This beautiful poetic book is a transitional book. It takes us from thinking of, of the people of Israel in general to a line in, specifically that is the line of Jesus Christ. Hopefully you're there in the book of Ruth. Go to the very end. I, by the way, we're going to be jumping all over the book of Ruth today to, to understand it. Um, there's so many ways to preach Ruth and the Spirit has led me to preach it this way. But if you look at the end of Ruth, what you'll find there is almost an exact quotation of Matthew 1. See, in Ruth, we're introduced to three characters, Naomi, Boaz, and Ruth. And it will interest you to know that Boaz and Ruth are mentioned in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 1, verse 5 says, and Salmon, the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David, the king. And so when you look there in Ruth chapter 4, verse 21 and 22, what you see is an all, almost exact quotation. Matthew 1, 5 almost quotes exactly this last, these last two verses of Ruth because the, the Bible is making a very clear distinction, a designation that God is now in the Old Testament showing the way he's going to bring the Savior to the world. This Savior who was promised in, in, the, in the Old Testament as, as we've been walking along. Now let's understand the context of Ruth. Now go back to chapter 1 in, of Ruth. Let's go back to the very beginning, verse 1 and 2, to understand the context. It says in verse 1, In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malan and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. This was a dark, dark time in Israel's history. As a matter of fact, you're there in Ruth 1. Go back probably just one page, if even that, to the very last verse of the book of Judges. That's where we finished last week, the very last verse of the book of Judges. Judges uh, chapter 21, verse 25 says, In those days there was no king in Israel, Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. At this point, Israel, God's chosen people, had chosen to reject God. Rather than walk with him faithfully, they were now under a curse. There was a famine in the land. They were in Bethlehem. Elimelech and his family was in Bethlehem. That literally means house of bread. And there was, there was a, a, a terrible time in the house of bread where no one could eat. And so rather than trusting in God and his clear promises, Elimelech did not. Let's make sure we remember these clear promises. If you'll remember, we began this whole series of walking through the Old Testament by beginning in Genesis. And we, we learned there that we've got to trust God. And, and, and we saw there were two very powerful, powerful promises. The first was that at the very beginning, the day our, the human race fell into sin, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, it's on the screen. God told the devil... I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This is the proto-evangelical. This is the first announcement of the gospel. And what God was saying there in prophetic language, a king is coming. And we know that king to be Jesus Christ. And he would crush the head of the devil. Now, from that point on, 
everyone's looking for the king. Everyone's eyes are looking for a man who's going to come and crush the, the head of Satan. And we find in Genesis 12, this family line from whom the king would come. There's a promise given to Abraham. Genesis chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. It's on the screen. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred from your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And so Jew or Gentile, no matter our nationality, our color, everyone who repents and believes in the gospel of Jesus Christ, we become, as is said here in Galatians 3.29, we become Abraham's offspring. Those who receive the blessed promise of God. And that comes to all who trust in God. And we learn that once we trust in God, that, that we've got to choose to love God. And that's what we saw in Exodus through Deuteronomy. God, ha having saved the people out of Egypt, teaches them how that, that he is a God who is worthy not only to be trusted, but to be loved. And what we looked at last week in Joshua and Judges is this God who loves us is worthy of our obedience. Because if you know Jesus, you'll love Jesus. And if you love Jesus, you will obey Jesus. And if you're not obeying Jesus, it's because you don't know him. Because to know him is to love him and to love him is to obey him. And so what the Bible does, it begins in this very broad picture of all human beings. And, and God promises, I'm going to raise up a savior who's going to crush the head of the devil. That savior will come through the line of David. This is a people, the people of Israel are the people through whom the Savior will come. These are the promise that come to them. This is how God saved them. This is how they learned to trust him and love him and obey him. But when we get to the book of Ruth, they are not loving him. They are not trusting him. They are not obeying him. And, and there is pain and there is suffering because of that. One of the things I want you to notice theologically uh, that the book of Ruth teaches us is that no matter what, what it is we may do or not do, God's will gets accomplished. See, God is always going to accomplish his will. You cannot stop Almighty God. It says in Psalm 33, 11, the counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of his heart to all generations. God is going to accomplish his purpose. And yet every single one of us must choose. Our choices matter and we will be judged by God for the decisions, the choices that we make. It says in, in Romans chapter 14, verse 12, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Each of us must choose. And everyone who chooses to trust Jesus, to love Jesus, to obey Jesus, we are the heirs of the promise given to Abraham. We are those who are under the Savior, King Jesus. We are citizens of the kingdom of God. And one day, what is described here in Revelation 22 will be our reality. It says, no longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light or lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. This is for everyone who chooses to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. This is for everyone who repents and believes the gospel, the good news that the promise of God was fulfilled in Jesus Christ, that the Savior has come. He has defeated sin and death. He has been raised and he will now live in us. But we must choose. 
We must choose who we will serve. We must choose who we will live for. We must choose how we will live our lives, either as citizens of the kingdom of God or citizens of the kingdom of darkness. What, what Ruth teaches us and inspires us to do is to choose to trust God. And there are things that are required of us. Choosing God comes with requirements. Our text shows us what choosing uh, God requires of us. Let's go now to chapter 2. And, and what we have is a summation in, in what Boaz says to Ruth in verses 11 and 12. It's a summation and it's going to help us understand the entire book. So let's all stand together in honor of God's word as Carter comes to read Ruth chapter 2 verses 11 and 12. Carter, go ahead and read that for us. But Boaz answered her, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to the people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Carter. If you would be seated and pray now for the preaching of God's word. Again, there's so many ways to approach the, the book of Ruth. I would encourage you to think of the book of Ruth as a, as a play or maybe a movie in four parts. Now, there, there's, a, there's an introduction and a conclusion. So when you, when you look, and let's just go ahead and do it real quick. Go back to chapter one and, and what you'll see there in, in the opening verses one through five, this is the introduction where Naomi loses her family. Uh, Kilon and Mahalon and, and uh, Elimelech all die in a, in a foreign land leaving leaving Naomi alone with her daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth. But, but then the music picks up and there's a bit of a celebration as, as now Naomi goes back to Bethlehem and Ruth is with her and it's during the time of harvest. And so Ruth uh, begins to glean in Boaz's fields and this is a, a time of happiness because it appears that the blessing of God has come back. But then the music changes again and it takes on a romantic tone as Ruth at the threshing floor asked Boaz to marry her. And that same music, that, 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 that romantic music continues in scene four as Boaz arranges redemption uh, of Ruth at the gate. And then the conclusion, the celebratory music again as Naomi is, is blessed with a, a new family. Now our text today, it takes place in scene two. It is here that Boaz is, is bringing about his decision in talking with uh, this, this Moab, this outsider who doesn't belong there, and yet, and yet he chooses to acknowledge her. And what we learn in this, this beautiful poetic book is what, what choosing God requires. There's three things I would encourage you to remember and, and to write down. The first is this, choosing God requires us to leave our former ways behind. Choosing God requires us to leave our former ways behind. See, it's important to realize Ruth made a spiritually informed decision, not a pragmatic decision. Her decision is easily contrasted with the choices of Elimelech and Orpah who made practical decisions. It'll interest you to know that Elimelech literally means, means my God is king, but Elimelech did not live as though his God were king. When things were getting hard and there, was, there seemed to be opportunity in a pagan lifestyle, he gave up the, the promises of God and instead chose to live in a worldly way, in a worldly place, turning his back on God. 
And there are many, there are many, and I'm sure those of you, if you've walked in the faith for more than just a few months, you, you can already tell stories of people who were once faithful to God, who would say Jesus is king, but who have turned their backs on Jesus and are no longer walking in, in the way of life he lives. We, we need to be mindful of the warnings of Scripture to avoid this decision, to avoid this choice. I know that some of you sitting here today will not be here in six months. Some of you who are right now walking faithfully with God, you will not be walking faithfully with him in the near future. And, and here's why. Because you are going to choose the things of the world instead of the things of God. You are going to get captivated with earthly things. And you're going to choose to walk away from God. And you need to understand the serious consequences to that. Hebrews chapter 6 beginning in verse 4 says, For it is impossible... In the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come, which describes Elimelech, this one who knew that God was king, this one who knew the blessing and the provision and the promises of God, this one who said at one time, I trust God, and then have fallen away as he did, turning his back on God, choosing a pagan lifestyle, a lifestyle out from under the authority of, of God, and then having fallen away to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding them up to contempt. Those who reject Jesus Christ, having been blessed with the knowledge of the promise of his goodness, something happens to you, something very, very awful. God turns you over. If you do not want to live under the authority of Jesus Christ, you can choose that, but you need to understand that you are holding Jesus up to contempt. You are, you, are cause, you are calling Jesus something less than king. You are not honoring him. And there's something that happens inside of you. Romans chapter one speaks to it. Romans chapter one, verse 28. It says, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up. That's a terrifying phrase. God gave them up to a debased mind to do what not ought to be done. If you turn away from God, your heart will grow cold to God and your mind will begin to be filled with the things of this world and you will make a joke of Jesus and you will think little of Jesus and you will think much of the world and you will choose the ways of the world and God will let you. He will turn you over to that way and your heart and mind will become hardened this Elimelech did that very thing. But so did Orpah. Orpah, her name means literally gazelle. And in the scripture, the gazelle is always pictured as one who runs away. And that's exactly how Naomi described her in chapter 1, verse 15. Naomi said of Orpah, she has gone back to her people and to her gods. Notice this was a spiritual decision. This was, this was a decision that had practical uh, outcomes, but it was a spiritual decision. Here's the decision. Ruth and Orpah had a decision that was summed up well by Sinclair Ferguson. And here's the choice, friends. There's two. Yahweh plus nothing in Bethlehem or everything minus Yahweh in Moab. Where are you? Christ alone or the world and whatever I can figure out. We all have to make a choice. We all have to choose. Ruth gave up her old life in Moab. M Ruth gave up paganism. Ruth gave up calling the shots. 
Ruth gave her life over to God. Look at her confession of faith. Look in chapter 1, verse 16 and 18. Having been challenged by Naomi, hey, look, your sister-in-law, she's gone back to paganism. She's turned her back on God. Go back. Go back. Leave me. I'm going to Bethlehem. I'm going back to, to, to walk with God. You go back to your paganism. Look what Ruth said. Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people, look at this, your people shall be my people and your God, my God. She was making a spiritual decision that had practical application for her choices. She was choosing to walk with God. She was choosing to enter into Bethlehem, that, that place where, where God had promised to be present. And what you have done today, you've chosen to come into this place that is the house of God. And it is here that you can hear the word of God and you can have the opportunity to choose the way of God. And this is what Ruth did. She gave up an old way of life. She chose a new way of life. She said, I want to walk with, I want to follow, I want to be with Christ. What, what Ruth chose was wise, but it was hard. The Christian life is the wise way of life. It is the best way of life. But friends, it is a hard way of life. It goes contrary to the world. It, it, the, the demands are, are great. But remember what Jim Elliott said, that great missionary. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Friends, if you are living for your pleasure, if you're living for power, popularity, for possessions, if you're living for things of this world, you need to understand you're going to lose your health. You're going to lose your job. You're going to lose your house. You're going to lose every created thing. It all goes away the moment you die. But if you are in Christ and Christ is in you, you will never lose him. And the promises of the blessings of God will go on and on. In order to receive that, those blessings and to walk in that way, you've got to reject that old way of life. And secondly, choosing God requires us to accept our new identity in Christ. To accept our new identity in Christ. And that's what Ruth did. You go back to verse 11, the second part there. And she came to a people that, you came to a people that you did not know before. Friends, when, when we come to Christ, we come to a whole new way of life. Whether you have been raised in the church or not, we have children who, who are blessed to be raised in this, in this family of faith. And they're raised with moms and dads who love Jesus. But every child that comes to saving faith in Jesus Christ experiences something supernatural. They become alive and aware of their sin and they repent and believe the gospel. I, I've often spoken of my own testimony, but my wife will tell you that, that her testimony is maybe more glorious because me having come out of a great darkness and seeing the light came light. She was raised in the light and it would have been very easy for her to take it for granted. And so many who are raised in the church take for granted the grace of God and do not take Jesus serious. It's something they were raised with. It's just sociological. But for those who are truly saved that are born again, there's a supernatural transformation that is accepted and experienced. And that's what God brings. And that's what God offers. It's a transformation of who you are and how you live. My, my daughter, Mackenzie, and my son, Jackson, are soon getting married. And their life is going to change radically because I'm not paying for squat anymore. <laughs> 
I'm paying a whole lot. By the way, the GoFundMe page is up and I haven't seen, no, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. God has been good, God is good. But when, when they're married, legally they change, their life change, because here's what happens. Two paths merge and, and a new journey begins. And so it is for us who are in Christ. We have a path that begins a, a new direction when we enter that narrow way, that narrow way that is Christ Jesus and a new journey begins. And we must accept that. We must accept this new journey, this new life, this new way. And it's pictured as marriage in the Bible. It says in Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 31, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. That's Paul quoting Jesus, who is quoting Genesis. But then Paul makes this point in verse 32. Look on the screen. This mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. What he's saying is when we repent and believe the gospel, we get a whole new life. We become the bride of Christ. And our life is changed. We have a new journey. We, we had a path where we were alone spiritually. But because we repented and believed the gospel, we entered that narrow way. And we began a whole new journey with Jesus as our husband, our master, our leader. In just a moment, Barrett is going to come and, and, and sing a, a song about that. And I tell you that now because in the first service, I did not tell them that. And when Baird began to come up on the stage, I thought that there were potentially those who were going to tackle him and shoot him because it scared them. And so I just want to give you a heads up. Don't shoot him. He's going to come up from this side in just a moment, all right? But he's going to sing a, a powerful song that pictures what happens to us when we accept our new identity in Christ and what promises are, are held for us. See, Ruth, she chose. She chose to go to Bethlehem. She chose to put herself in a position to become a child of God. And then she, she chose to, to follow and, and to see what God would have. She made two big choices. The first one you'll notice is when she came to Bethlehem, she didn't just sit around. She immediately said, where can I go to work? How can I help provide for our needs? I know we're poor, but is there something I could do? And in Israel, the poor were able to go and glean from the fields, the leftovers. The landowners were required to leave 10% of their produce so that the poor could come and so that they could get to work and they could provide. Please understand, if you want to know God's will for your life, you need to be at work. The, the Christian life is like a ship. You can only turn a moving ship. So if you're not moving, God can't turn you. If you're not active, if you're not working, if you're not saying, God, what do you want? I'm, I'm willing to do this. This makes sense for me. I'm going to keep, I'm just going to take this next step. Listen, I never would have dreamed I would have the privilege of being your pastor for over 20 years. Here's what I did. I just kept working for God. And God kept steering me where he wanted me. And how many of you who are Christians here can say, I can tell you, I didn't know where I would be, but I kept moving forward and God kept steering me. Show of hands, give testimony to God. Amen. This is how God works. And so Ruth, here she is. She's not sitting at home feeling sorry for herself. She's out getting busy doing God's will. She's out saying, what, how do I provide for Naomi? What am I supposed to do? And it was there that God began to steer her life. And it was there that she showed her wisdom. She went to a place she didn't know. Again, I love the Bible, how it says by, you know, it happened to be, again, that's the sovereignty of God, that she went to Boaz's 
field because she was being led by the Spirit of God. And look what, go to verse 20 of Ruth chapter 2. Look what Naomi says of this Boaz, this one whose field that God led Ruth to, to, to harvest in. Verse 20, very important words here. The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. If you're using the NIV, that says kinsman redeemer. And that's the, the, the Hebrew word there is ga'al. And, and this word means one who saves. Uh, in, the, in the Old Testament, this word is used of God over and over again and reflexively of, of those who believe. I love Psalm 107, verse 1 and 2. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed, again, the, the, the root word, the Hebrew word there is ga'al. Of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble. Again, Gaal, it speaks of who God is. He is the redeemer and we are his redeemed. And this is what Christ has done for us. He's redeemed us. In, in Hebrew culture, let me explain this to you. This Gaal, this kinsman redeemer, he was responsible to look after any widow in his family. So if a woman was a widow or the child of a widow, he was responsible to pay all of her debts, to marry her, and to make sure that all of her children received the benefits of his life's work. And so it is for us who are in Christ Jesus. All of our sin debt is fully paid in Christ Jesus. And he has taken full responsibility of our life to provide for us and to lead us all the way through heaven to the praise of his great name. Isn't that good news? Uh, this is what God has done and this is what is pictured in Ruth. And this is what God will do if we will accept this, this wonderful, wonderful blessing. And, and that's what Ruth sought. And so what you see, go down to verse 22. And now the story, again, you got to just go back and read it for yourself. Again, picture this romantic music as Naomi says, Oh, Ruth, it's time to go to the, the threshing floor. The men will be going out there. Put something nice on girl. Put some lipstick on those lips. Let's go. Let's go. It, it's kind of like Cinderella at the, at the deal. The fairy god, come on, let's get you dressed up. You got to go. She goes to the threshing floor and she makes herself available to Boaz. Basically, she says, will you marry me? And, and, and Boaz says, you didn't choose a, a, another younger man. You didn't choose. So you chose me and that is my, my pleasure and my honor and my glory. But then he says, we got a problem. There's another redeemer who's closer than me who could have the rights to, to, to marry you. But we'll figure it out. So Ruth goes home and Naomi says, how's it go? She goes, I don't know, but he gave me a ton of grain. He said he's going to work it out. And Naomi, that wise Jewish mother, oh, he'll take care of it today. And there's this great story of how they meet at the gate and all the leaders are there. And Boaz says, hey, there's this Ruth. I'm sure you all heard about her. I'm glad to redeem her. But then he points to him and he says, but you're the closer redeemer. Will you take her? And he said, I will. And so I, I imagine in the movie, there's kind of like a record scratch. <laughs> what? I thought Boaz was going to marry her. And Boaz says, oh, that's great. Just a reminder, you have to take complete responsibility for all her debts. And then you will have to take full responsibility for all of her life and all of her offspring and, and have all the rights. She will have all the rights to all of your property and everything you have. And he said, uh, no, thank you. And Boaz says, I want it. I want her. I know she's a Moabite. I know she doesn't belong here. I know she comes, she's an outsider, but I want her. 
I want to bring her in and I want to save her and I want to love her and I want to provide for her and I want to guide her her whole life. The very thing Jesus Christ says to us when we accept his, his, his wonderful blessing of life and, 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 and then we have to receive it. So we not only accept this identity, third thing, choosing God requires us to receive God's blessing of grace. Real quick, go back to verse 12 so I can get you to the chapter 4. <laughs> you know, because that's how you get from to chapter 4 is through verse 12 of chapter 2. Look what, look what Boaz says to her. The Lord repay you for what you have done. Oh, this is an important word. And a full reward be given to you. This hopeful blessing came to fruition. And Ruth did receive a, a full reward given by the Lord. This reward is, is God's fullness. It's not man's fullness. It's a, it's a reward that lasts forever and ever. Remember, her name is in the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1, verse 5. Why? Because of the fullness of God. Think about what happened here. Three characters in the book of Ruth. Naomi, Boaz, and Ruth. Naomi, real quick, go back to chapter 1, verse 20. Remember when Naomi, by the way, her, her, her name means delight. When she came back to Bethlehem, look what, look what she said. She said, don't call me, don't call me Naomi anymore. What's the name she asked for? Look at the verse. What does she want to be called? Say it out loud. Mora. You know what that means? Bitter. Don't call me delightful anymore. Call me bitter. And you know what God did? God said, no. I'm about to give you the fullness of God. And she became delighted with the goodness of God. So when you go there to now go, you know, when you go to chapter 13, what do you see? You see this woman who has been blessed. When you look at the Boaz, Boaz's name is fascinating. I, there's so much here in this man to, to, to study. His name means fleeting. Not only does he represent Jesus in the story, he represents all of us. He represents a fleeting life with all the worldly goods. Think about it. His name means fleeting and he has wealth and honor and privilege, but it all passes away. You know, growing up, I loved to play the, the game Monopoly with my dad and, and sometimes I would win and when I would win, he'd pick it up, he'd put it in the box, he'd close it up and he says, yeah, you won, but it's all in the box now and it don't matter no more. And you know what happens to every single one of us? We get put in a box. And what we had don't matter no more. All that matters is who we truly are in Christ. And here's Boaz. He gives up a fleeting life that no one would remember to gain an eternal life that none of us will ever forget because it's in the word of God. His name is in the Old and New Testament. But then there's Ruth. And Jason's gonna come and sing a song about her life. Her name means friendship. And she proved to be a faithful friend to Naomi. And she proved to be a, a, a faithful friend to God. And she pursued the Lord. And she was married. And she received God's blessing. And her life is a picture of our life. We become the bride of Christ. All of, all of our debt is paid. All of his love is received. And he provides for us through life and death. And one day there's going to be the wedding feast of the Messiah and there's going to be a wedding day when the bride of Christ will rise and join with her husband. Listen to this. This is the story of the Son of God. Hey. 
Anticipation welling up inside While our group is crowned a king Oh, death, where is your sting? Cause we'll be there singing was a Moabite who was an outsider who had no claim to the kingdom of God but she chose to trust God and she became husband to the one who would provide through her lineage the king of kings and now we must choose will we choose Jesus Christ the king of kings to be our Lord to be our husband, our leader who pays our sin debt and walks with us all through life on a new journey all the way into heaven where we will meet him one day and he will be crowned as king and we will be with him forever. Oh friends, how many of you are giving up the eternal blessing of God for an earthly lie, for sin that will not satisfy for things that will decompose and be destroyed in judgment. Friends, turn from your sin. Turn to Jesus Christ and choose him today. Let's stand together as we pray. If we could have our care leaders to come forward. Oh God, your grace is so amazing that you would take someone like me who has no business knowing you I should be in jail or dead and in hell, but by your grace, I've been saved. And I am a part of the bride of Christ. And I pray for some who are here today who are outside of your grace. They've not been saved. I pray today they will turn from sin. They will trust in Christ alone and they will be saved, that they will come and talk with one of these leaders at the front. And today would be the day of salvation. God, I pray for some of your people who sadly are like a limelech. They claim that you are king, but they will soon fall away. Their hearts will become hardened and you will allow them to live their life in eternity in death and sin. Father, I pray today that they will, they will turn from that and they will be genuinely saved. I pray for any who are toying about with sin that they would be deeply convicted and desire the holy life that comes with walking with Christ and that they would repent and, and renew their faith. 
God, I pray that they will come to this altar today and renew their faith and that the, the redeemed who are truly blessed would even come and pray and ask for revival in this church, awakening in our city, that they would pray for some they know who are in danger of damnation, that they will come today and they will lift up those who are hurting, the widows who, who feel forgotten, for the sick and the poor, that they would, can know that you are God and that you care and that you have a plan. Hear the prayers of your people, Lord, and bless them. We ask them in Jesus' name. Amen.